Welcome to the weekend. Well, almost the weekend. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Today's show, Oilers Young Stars in Penticton in a tournament that still matters, you guys. Stop with that. It doesn't matter stuff. Elks and Regina for a Flatland showdown. And my feeling is the Rough Riders will be in uh, ill humor after the game in Winnipeg last weekend. Sports1440.ca, iHeartRadio, Radio Player Canada. You can text or call us 1-833-401-1440. 1-833-401-1440. Uh, you can join us on Twitter at Low Tide and at Declan Kruger. And you can drop off comments at the blog at lowtide.ca as well. Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, same great name and great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road, wolfgmcbuick.com. Our guest today, Jamie Nye from the Green Zone, will talk about the game tonight in the Canadian Football League. There are two, actually. Steve Lansky will join us. I'm going to take him to task, and he doesn't know it, uh, about his comments. Some of the comments that he made about the Toronto Blue Jays this week and Alec Manoa, I heartily, heartily disagree. Heartily? That's not the right. I vehemently disagree. Well, don't ask me about pronunciation of words. (laughs) I was going to get to that later. I'm glad you brought it up now. Uh, Tyler Uremchuk from Daily Faceoff as well. And a newly named segment called Declinations. Yeah. Yeah. You like it? Declinations. Do you like that one? Yes. I love the name personally. I could not think of anything to save my life. And you came up with that one off the cuff. Well, I thought about it for a while. I was driving down the road and I was listening to the radio to Jason Greger, and I thought, I, I just thought Declan, you know, inclinations, Declan impersonations, and then declinations came. See, that's funny, because the way I took it when you told me about it was it was a spinoff of declarations. No. Top five declarations, but yours, yours No, I'm not that clever. Sense. It just okay. came to me. It was just a word play, you know, and don't expect it again, but I did spend most of the 80s uh, in, a, in giant rooms where they drink pizza and beer, uh, and they'd say, we gotta, we gotta have a think tank. And <clears throat> that's what you did in the eighties. And, and I think probably the seventies too, where you just wasted hours. And then you'd go back to your desk and do your work, but you're sitting in a room and they're like, okay, people, our slogan, our mission tape statement isn't going to solve itself. Meanwhile, you're like, I, I don't, I don't get paid for this, but that's the way it worked in the eighties and nobody could complain. And now, really, nobody can complain. Uh, Eagles-Vikings last night. The Eagles have not played well. They're 2-0. and That's a sign of a good team. Vikings are, are slop. You know what slop is? What, pigs eat? Yes. Yes. It's the stuff, like, it's the leftover, like, you're peeling potatoes and you're making yep. a big, you put it in the slop bucket. And God knows what's in the slop bucket by 5 p.m., but that goes out to the pigs. That's what the Vikings were last night. They were whatever is in a slop bucket. And it wasn't, I know people are saying, stop saying, okay, fine. Eagles are 2-0, and Vikings are 0-2, and, and already the Vikings under a little bit of pressure. Elks, Rough Riders, you know, this is the way I see their two seasons going. The Rough Riders found a rookie quarterback in Jake Dolagala when Trevor Harris went down. The Elks found a rookie quarterback in Trey Ford, but they did it too late. You know, if they'd done it in week five or four, maybe we'd be talking about something, and they could still technically make the playoffs. But it's you've got a it's a Herculean task. I think that's the story of these two teams this year. Credit the Rough Riders for finding the guy, and I mean I know they they had to check down because guys were getting injured. But somewhere out there, there's a scout on the Rough Rider staff who said, "Yeah, let's get this Jake Dolagala guy," and he's worked out. Yeah, we'll talk to Jamie Nye about that. 
orders Young Stars in Winnipeg, orders Plus has the games. I think you can get them on the Canucks and the Flames and the Jets websites too, but I'm not sure about that. Orders Plus is twenty three ninety nine a year. That's two dollars a month. I'm I'm going to officially declare this zone a no bitching and complaining about the cost of that zone. Look, the orders are an organization that optimize profits. They're not the only one. They're not the CBC. You live in a city where free enterprise is valued. There are successful entrepreneurs on every corner. And to complain about it, I think, sort of turns your back on what Edmonton should represent. Buy the product or don't buy the product. But you bitching about it tells me you're cheap and you want it, but you don't want to pay for it. Not a good look. I think the orders are making a solid bet that you'll end up paying. Just my opinion. And that's all I'm going to say about that. You can text me if you want, one 401 but that's my take. And by the way, I love the CBC. I want to, I want to confess my, my adoration for the CBC. I have loved it since the days of Peter Zosky, uh, Barbara from 90 Minutes with a Bullet, uh, with Terry David Mulligan and all the rest. CBC Radio and CBC Television, whenever they do anything, it's always brilliant. The stuff on the Avro Arrow, it's all good. Anne of Green Gables, I think, was CBC. Certainly everything Trudy Young ever did was CBC. So I love them. I just think that paying 24 bucks a year if you're an Oilers fan, come on now. That's like one Bobby Nixberger, I believe. Have you ever had one of those? Or did, did you save up enough? Or? I No, a Bobby Nixberger? Yeah, Bob Nicholson came up with a special burger. Oh yeah, no, never, never had one. Wish I could provide more to this story. You're not. But this is so good. I know. You know, we're, nothing. I feel, nothing to contribute. <laughs> I feel like you know we started off slowly last week and then we built to a crescendo. And that moment, yeah, the Bobby Nixberger moment is. We'll be. We're all straight downhill now. Yep. We peaked early, which is never a good thing. But mm-hmm. I think. But I, I think our peak. It's. It's going to live on forever, at least. In our minds, we'll always yeah. And with our relatives, yeah. you know, the ones that like us. Yeah, I think my my relatives mostly tuned out after the first show. They were like, "Okay, <laughs> we get it," but I'll tell them I'll tell them we peaked and we're falling off. It's all good. Uh, what the orders need from the young stars in Penticton is a Charlie Huddy. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. It, it'll take a minute, but it's worth it. So, in nineteen seventy nine and eighty, I believe Charlie Huddy would have been eligible for the NHL draft. Maybe 79, and he would have been signed by the time the 80 draft occurred. And the NHL used to do 17 rounds, and that year they said, we're only going to do like seven rounds, and that's it. And that meant there was a a glut, a large pool of free agent talent coming out of the Canadian minor leagues, or uh, junior leagues, pardon me. And Charlie Huddy was one of them. And the way it worked for these players like Charlie Huddy was not getting drafted late in the draft was better than getting drafted because... Teams could throw around a lot of bonus dollars. And so the owners signed Charlie Huddy because they paid him a significant amount of bonus money. He had not been drafted, which was a mistake. And right away, he went to, I believe, Wichita. I think he went to Wichita. And he immediately started impressing, and he had a long and wonderful career. And I have to say that he's one of my all-time favorite Oilers. But they didn't pay a thing for him. They didn't have to draft him. They did pay a bonus price. I'm sorry, he went to the Houston Apollos. Then he went to Wichita Wind for parts of 80, 81, and 81, 82. Uh, Wichita is a line in the wonderful movie, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. That guy who makes the funny sound when he clears his nose out, uh, he goes, uh, people train, don't run through Wichita. 
runs through Stubville. I believe that's correct. Am I right on that? Is is it Wichita? It is. Yes. Okay. Another classic. Another classic movie. I love. The reference will never be lost on me. It is Wichita. And he makes his like nine months pregnant wife get out of the car. Yep. And <laughs> yep. Oh my God, that's a funny movie. It really is. People train runs through Stubville. Okay, we back back on the beam. Uh, so I don't know who the Charlie Huddy is, but there are candidates. There are. Uh, a guy like Carter Savoy, under the radar. He scored eight goals last year, was hurt most of the year. Supposed to be a sniper, eight goals. Come on. But he was hurt a lot. And when he was healthy, he did well. My suspicion is you are going to love Carter Savoy by the end of this Penticton tournament, and then he's going to go down to Bakersfield and play well. Max Warner is a guy who was a late pick, and he is looking very good based on what has happened since the draft. They signed him right away. You know, he was part of that pandemic draft where guys weren't getting looked at a lot. Not that the scouts couldn't, you know, didn't want to go see them, but there was all kinds of restrictions on it. But they, they got themselves something else in Max Warner, I believe. And Bo Akey is the guy I'm most looking forward to. If you tune in tonight, check him out. He's a speed demon. Up front, aside from Savoy, there's Xavier Bargo. He's the big, you know, the big star. He's the number one, uh, the first round draft pick who will be there. Um, Jaden Grube, who they picked up uh, in a deal for the New York Islanders. Uh, there's Tyler Tulio, who I really like, and a few others. But most of this is, about, there's about seven guys who are worth watching in terms of NHL futures. But there are also an underlying group. Um, perhaps I should say underlying group because it sounded like I was accusing them of lying that are not signed, but could be signed. Brady Stonehouse, Jake Sloan. Those are two names to watch. But the real names, the ones you should pay attention to in this, in this tournament starting tonight against Winnipeg, Xavier Burgo, Matt V. Petroff, who I didn't mention earlier. Uh, Bo Akey, Max Warner, and I'll throw in Jaden Grube, Carter Savoy, and Todd Artulio. So that's seven guys. No goaltenders. Nathan Day is the draft pick. Um, his numbers weren't great, but they like him because he's big and because he can move. And if he can get the, if he can get the rebound control under control, then he'll be fine. The Young Stars tournament matters, just so you know. It matters more now than it than it has in the past, and I'm going to explain why. You do not have to take a pen and paper because I'll, I'll mention this 500 times this winter. Don't worry about it. So when you've got trillions of prospects flowing down, it doesn't really matter who gets there. It doesn't. You know, when the Otters were drafting 12 people at a time and three guys in the second round, it didn't really matter you know, Taylor Hall was the first round pick, and then they picked Pitlick and Marinson and Curtis Hamilton in the second round. Didn't matter which of the three made it, but somebody had to make it. And as it turned out, both Pitlick and Marinson played a significant amount of time in the National Hockey League, and then they got Brandon Davidson later on. The Otters don't have that now. They barely pick, and they don't sign anybody, which is astounding to me. They just they have a, a skeleton crew. If If these guys were... The entire employee base for a domo, they'd have to work 18 hours a day because they're just, there's not enough. And some guy would have to work seven days a week and then he'd rotate to the next guy. They just don't have enough people. And that's always bad. But what it's good is for the players because the amount of time and energy and coaching up that the Edmonton Oilers are going to spend on Max Warner, as an example, is 
significant. He has to cash. They have to, they have to make that guy an NHL player. They're going to call in Steve Austin. They're going to call all of the $6 million men people. They're going to call in the bionic woman. They're going to call in Robocop. Anybody else who's sort of half man, half machine that we can bring into this conversation? Robocop would have been the only one I could think of off the top, so okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit this one out. I got that right at the end of it. I, no, it was good. That was the first one that came to mind. I remember he might going, have just been machine. Yeah, I remember fair. going to Robocop and, and saying to my wife during the movie, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's something yeah. I would say to my wife if I took yeah. her to Robocop. She said it during Prince of Tides. Oh okay. Yeah. So Circle gets the square. Well, you know, there you go. Um there are rumors that Phil Kessel's signing is going to happen imminently. No rumors connecting him to the orders, and I don't expect that to happen. But it would be peak Oilers to sign Phil Kessel and then lose Raphael Lavoie on waivers. It would be the most because Oilers event since the time Steve Tambellini wouldn't trade for Ben Bishop because he didn't want to include Ryan Jones in the deal. Do you remember that from Oil Change? Oil Change was supposed to be an entertaining uh, series of shows that really highlighted what good things the Edmonton Oilers did. But what it became was an indictment of Steve Tambellini and the Edmonton Oilers organization at that time. I don't think Oilers Plus will ever do any of that. Based on what I've seen so far, the draft stuff is cut real nice and it's really good, but there's there's not the... The, the general manager going around the room and making sure that everybody is okay with his acquisition before doing it. It's a little stronger than that. Mike Babcock. Who do we have at 1220? We have Jamie Nye from the okay. Green Zone coming on to I'll the talk writers now. The problem is you develop a past. If you're a bully, you're a bully, you're a bully. Everybody's got a past. I have a past. If you gave all of my bosses, if you put them all in the same room, and you gave them a, a, a truth serum, and you put all of my teachers with all of my bosses in the same room, and you gave them a truth serum, you'd come out with a thumbnail sketch that wasn't all positive. You know? I mean, my sales managers would say, I never saw him here on Friday afternoon, and now that I think of it, not Thursday afternoon. And all the places that I worked where I was on air, they'd say, you know, I never saw him. One minute after a shift, he was gone. That, that's your past, you know, like that's your past. And Mike Babcock has a past. And his past involves things that are outside the lines. Beyond the pale, as the British say. The British have the best phrases. Worst food, best phrases. Worst food, best phrases. The French and the Italians, best lovers, best wines, terrible at war, cannot elect a government. Just remember all of that and you'll be fine. Hope I haven't offended anybody. Jay's good grief. I mean, come on. What are you doing? This is embarrassing. The Jays lost all four. To, you can't, that's the only thing you couldn't do. Even if you lost three or four, you can't lose all four. Now they're in trouble. Guns N' Roses coming to Edmonton. Before we take a break, I need your favorite Guns N' Roses song. Right answers only. Welcome to the jungle. The correct answer is November Rain. But Welcome to the Jungle is obviously close Probably second to third. It has to be in the top five if it's not number one. Yeah. yeah. The one I don't like is knocking on Heaven's Door. They did that, right? Was that them? I don't know. I think it must have been. I don't like that one. The Dylan version is fine, but 
All right, you're listening. By the way, Jamie Nye coming up from the Green Zone. We're going to talk about the Rough Riders and the Elks, and I'll be kind to everybody, I promise. You're listening to The Lowdown, powered by Wolf GMC Buick on Sports 1440. It's The Lowdown on Sports 1440. That's a song you want to be in the car with me when it's on the radio, because I sing the hell out of that thing. I scream, Roxanne. Yeah. It's not good. You didn't want to give it a go now? This seemed like a perfect opportunity. You know, I, I just can't. I'm not there. Okay. You know, it's only a few minutes. The lights the were show. too bright. I, you know, yeah. I, I, I need my motivation. Right now I'm an ashtray, and that's not going to get me there. I need to be clouds or or a vision or the ocean, and I'm not there. I just, I don't feel it in my soul. You just got to find that place. You got to dig deep and find that place. Well, maybe later. Okay. Plenty of time in the day. Well. People are saying you could be mine. There's, you know, great band. Lots of great songs. But I think, is not November Rain the best something they ever did? I still like Welcome to the Jungle. It'll get you, like, it's, you can, it goes with any mood is my big thing. Like, a song that can go with any mood like that. So it's like ketchup then. I don't know if I wouldn't say ketchup goes with anything, so but I would say they're quite different. Have you heard November actually. Rain? Do you know how beautiful the, the, the melody is? It's a great, it's a ballad. What's wrong with a ballad? No, it's great. Like, I like it, but it's just, it's not an every mood song. That's all I'm saying. I'm not trying to step on any toes, but. Well, I think you're probably, I I think you will be uh, in the majority. People probably like that slam, bang, loudy thing, but I'm just saying. The kids I, love it. I was surprised that he was able to write November Rain. To me, that was a stretch. And I'm not talking about like Beth by Kiss, where <laughs> where they did a ballad and they came up with a name and just kept repeating it. November Rain is good. No, no Beth smack talk. That's an all-time Kiss song. <laughs> Love that song. My my um, brother's first wife. Her name was Beth, and I loved her. I gave her the forty-five, my forty-five of Beth. That's that's how much I liked her. So I don't know where we're going with this. Have we got uh, Young Nye? All right. So he's going to save us and save the entire show. Joining us now from the Green Zone is Jamie Nye. How are you, sir? I'm, I just need to know, did Beth like that song? Because she loved my it. My wife's yeah. name, Rhonda, and if you sang Help Me, Rhonda, to her, she, yeah, it wouldn't go well. So <laughs> did she like the song, Beth? Yeah, she loved it. Yeah, it was very, it was, it was oh. great. Yeah. Uh, so Saskatchewan has to have a little bit of a burr in their saddle because, you know, they beat the Blue Bombers and then they got stomped. So I imagine Edmonton coming into town, they're, they're, the Rough Riders are licking their chops and waiting for an opportunity. I suspect that we'll see a big effort from the Rough Riders. You better hope so, <laughs> because if they don't, I've got some serious uh, questions about the 6-6 six and six Rough Rider team that we're all looking at. Okay, they'll make the playoffs, and can they do some damage? But uh, the, I, I'm, I swear, I'm every, every hour we get closer to kickoff tonight, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm sliding more and more of, are we about to see an upset here at Mosaic Stadium with the Edmonton Elks? Because... Trey Ford is a different animal than Taylor Cornelius, who they barely beat in the first two uh, meetings between these two teams earlier this season. So one of the things that I've been encouraged about across the CFL this year is young quarterbacks, because I think we all knew that that injuries were a possibility and they've happened. And then, uh, you know, some some starting quarterbacks weren't strong and that's happened here as well. So how important has Jake Dallagala been when, when he finally got the job and what he's been able to do so far? Well, it's similar to Trey Ford's story in Edmonton, I think, because uh, early on uh, with Mason Fine coming in for the injured Trevor Harris, there was nothing there inspiring from the quarterback position. 
they they got beat up in BC. They went out touchdown Atlantic. Didn't play that well. Just edged out. And thanks to Bob Dice's gaffe as a coaching decision near the goal line, were able to edge out the Ottawa Red Blacks. And then they got you know beat up in Montreal. Then Jake Dolagala takes over as a starter because of injury. And you saw that win over BC, the win over Winnipeg, and like Trey Ford coming in the lineup, it seemed like everybody was more inspired. It seemed like there was energy all over the place. And even the uh, offensive coordinator, Kelly Jeffries, said there's a little bit more you can do with Jake Dolagala than Mason Fine because he's got the arm strength to make every throw uh, that you can have as a, a CFL quarterback, which begs the question, why didn't you go with Jake Dolagala instead of Mason Fine when Trevor Harris went down? But they finally stumbled into it. And so far, so good, except for, of course, the Banjo Bowl beatdown last week. So you've just, if you took every Jake out of there and put a tray in there, you've just described Edmonton Elks fans, and you mentioned it at the top. Like, there is, there is not rage, but there's, there's discontent about how the first half of the season went. And because people are getting behind them, they showed up at, at Commonwealth. And, you know, I guess you go with the, the, you know, you dance with the girl that brung you, but but I, it wasn't like the Elks were playing very well, and Ford was there. Um, was there any reason given by the coaching staff why they stayed on Fine for so long? Well, it, it was more so Mason Fine's been here longer, and they felt that he was r- more ready for the pressure, like he could manage a game better than Jake Dolagala. Like he was making better decisions in practice. He wasn't making big mistakes, but it was the risk and reward thing. Um, I, I'm more of a you, at, at the quarterback position. You're going to have to take some risk. You're going to you can't check it down all day, which was what Mason Fine was doing, and that's okay. He wasn't turning the ball over, but you know I'd rather two or an interception or two because you're trying to press it downfield than play it safe because safe's death. So. Uh, I that's more of the explanation of they, they felt Mason Fine's decision making and his command of the huddle and things like that were better than Jake Dolagala. But Jake Dolagala's X factor was way bigger uh, with the way he can toss the ball around uh, around the field. And I think the receivers like it better. The receivers like a guy. And I remember it was uh, the game against the BC Lions when he just chucked it up and Sam Emelis made a ridiculous catch. And after the game, Jake Dolagala said, I read this and I knew it was, you know, an opportunity that I might throw an interception, but I said, screw it. He's got a 45 inch vertical. He'll go and get the ball. <laughs> and I was like, yes, that's the guy I want. Yeah. He's willing to, you know, I'm going to throw it 30 yards, 40 yards downfield and have faith. My receiver is going to go up and get it. And his receiver paid him back and went up and got it. Yeah. Uh, when uh, now, how are we doing with uh, Trevor Harris? Here, he looked good for the Rough Riders when he was healthy. Uh, how far away, and and when do you anticipate seeing him in the lineup? Uh, my hunch is not until twenty twenty four. He did an update this week, and uh, he said all the right things that he's on the front end of the, the expectation. He had the same injury JJ Watt had a few years ago in the NFL, and he was done for the season. Uh, but Trevor Harris is on the f- more front end of that. No weight bearing for six months, and it was like right at six months he was starting to put on weight on it. He says he's a week or two away from getting clearance to start doing you know more football activities to see how that goes. And if you're eating up two weeks, you're already looking for only four games left on the schedule. Right. Uh, but it, it, uh, for me with Trevor Harris, it's going to be where the riders are. If they're – 
nine, ten wins going into the playoffs, it's Jake Dolagala's team. If they're struggling and like, crawl into the playoffs, well, then desperate times call for desperate measures, and we see Trevor Harris back behind center. If, of course, he gets clearance to do so. Sports 1440, low down with low tide. Our guest is Jamie Nye from the Green Zone. Uh, aside from the quarterback, uh, what, what's the injury situation for the Rough Riders? Well, the injury situation is getting better. Um, when I look around the Riders injuries, I always look at, okay, who's out? Uh, who's not starting? Uh, Trevor Harris is the big one, but they just got Philip Blake, the veteran who was on the Toronto Argonauts last season. He's the sixth offensive lineman today, but likely might move into a starting role next week or the week after. So that's a big one. Um, they've been having a rotating American tackles, but I think they've kind of solidified on that. And then outside of that, it's a pretty healthy football team. Deontay Williams, a standout rookie, goes down. But who's in the lineup this week? Tremaine Washington, who led the league in interceptions two years ago. So uh, Jeremy O'Day, the general manager, has, a, has done a great job uh, of depth for this football team. So uh, the injury excuse can't be used right now in Saskatchewan. So I'm going to ask you an overall question here, and I'm a big fan of the CFL draft, and I've been following it forever. Saskatchewan used to draft old linemen, like some kid from Weyburn who could throw a hay bale clean over the truck. And then they, in recent years, they've gone receiver, and they've drafted some really good ones, and we see them, we'll see them in action tonight. Um, is it working? Do you think it's wise to do that, or do you just always want to pummel two old linemen in to start a draft? Yeah, I, I, it depends on who's out there. And for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, uh, they have put a lot of faith in their, you know, getting guys later uh, on offensive linemen. They've had a few steals uh, recently where you look down and go, okay, we're going to draft this guy. And Zach Fry is a guy out of Western they drafted in the second round a few years ago, they believe in. Um, but Logan Furland, is, uh, he's a junior football player from Saskatchewan who's starting, who didn't even go through the CFL draft. He was kind of the territorial junior player who they brought up, and uh, that's where they're starting to fill out. Dan Clark was that guy for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Um, but I, I understand, like, previous it was Ben Heenan. They draft Ben Heenan, and yeah. he'd come in. And, the, of course... Uh, Matlin Riley was a U of uh, University of Saskatchewan guy they drafted who opted to retire uh, after the the COVID season of 2021. So that those types of things have happened, and I think Jeremy O'Day has looked at you know when they won Grey Cups and saw you know they had the Canadian Air Force when they were battling because yeah. the flexibility you can have uh, with the Canadian receivers and Canadian starters. So uh, and. He hasn't been wrong on many of them. Uh, Kean Schaefer-Baker was a steal. Sam Emelis has uh, jumped off the page. Uh, and so we'll, we'll see how it l looks. It has impacted a little bit of the depth, though, on their Canadian offensive line, which they've had to fill out with Peter Godber and Philip Blake as free agents, which costs you a lot more money than a draft yeah. pick. Yeah, it does for sure. Um, two questions to end this. One is, can the Rough Riders win a playoff game in Winnipeg? Not a chance. All right. That's, <laughs> no, it's an honest answer, and I appreciate it. I just, I, I, I'm, I just don't see it. Ha like, can they? Sure, but it's going to have to be Winnipeg turns the ball over three or four times, and it's an absolute ugly game by the Bombers because they, they last year in the Banjo Bowl they got beat up. This year in the Banjo Bowl they got beat up. I just, 
They go to Winnipeg lately, and they haven't been able to handle it. Uh, and so I don't see a road trip to Winnipeg in the playoffs as have, being uh, a spot where you pick the riders to win. And final one, this is a personal one because I haven't been back to Regina in years, but in Regina, back when I lived there, uh, I'd go to the keg on Friday night, maybe the Racquet Court Club. If I could jam can curl, I would, and I would go Bartleby's for sure. Are any of those things still around? <laughs> well, the keg is. There's a new one near the stadium, actually. Um, but Bart's on Broad. You were talking about, you were talking about uh, some old-school music, and I'm like, Bart's on Broad. I brings back the night, uh, nightmares of karaoke, trying to sing uh, <laughs> along to Sting and, or Bon Jovi, yeah. and I can't hit that octave. There's no. no chance I can hit that octave and embarrassing myself. But no, no longer is there Bart's on Broad. But the sign is still there for some reason. Love it. But it is not open. All right. Listen, thanks for this. Enjoy the game and enjoy the rest of the year. I think the Rough Riders, I, I, I hope they end up in the Western Final because it's always fun. Oh, yeah. It'll be, and if it's a Winnipeg Riders Western Final, that'll be a blast, too. Have a good one. All right, sir. Thank you. That's uh, Jamie Nye from the Green Zone. I know you know who that is. You've heard him many, many times. And if you're a Rough Rider fan, you know him well. Breaks a lot of stories and uh, interesting takes. We've got Lansky in hour number two. Tyler Uremchuk as well. He's in hour number two as well. Is that correct? No, Tyler's coming up here in about seven oh, minutes. Oh, I'm not or ready so. for him. I I need to. I've got to say my mantra. I've got no, to no. Put cucumbers on my eyelids. There's <laughs> a lot I have to do. It's like I... talking to an old friend. There's no judgment there. You just you just pick up where you left off. I don't know. I need some time. Got to agree with uh, Decal Crouton on this one. November Rain is not the best Guns N' Roses song from Dangles. You know what it actually is? And I, it completely slipped my brain that this was their song for a couple minutes. Paradise City. That's no, for sure my favorite Guns November N' Roses Rain song. November Rain is still a better you're sti- song. You're sticking with See, it? See, those are all like formula songs. Those yeah. are like, you know, I mean, everybody gets mad at Nickelback, but I'm sorry. Those are November Rain. Listen to that song. I'm not saying it's not a good song. It's just, why are you why are you getting mad at me for well, because saying my favorite song is different than yours? Because that's what this boils down because to. Because I, you know, I, I I want my way. Apparently, yeah. um, is Campbell tradable? Will Lavoie clear waivers if released? Uh, Campbell is tradable, but it's going to cost a lot of draft picks and assets. And Lavoie will get picked up on waivers. The game is on orders plus. I, I believe that's what the tweet said today. Now, that doesn't mean you might be able to get it on, you might not be able to get it on one of the other websites, but, uh, Oilers Plus is $23.99. They've got a code out this weekend and they may even have a free preview. As with all things Edmonton Oilers, check with the team. Go online, go on their Twitter, uh, Tony Brar. They, they're really good at letting you know what they're doing. So they're the people you should listen to, uh, because they, they know the product. But I, I just, I, I have, um, and we'll talk about it a little bit here in the in the next hour or so. I just have a real problem with getting upset about twenty three ninety nine when that's a pizza. You know, it's, it might not be a large pizza, but it's a pizza. So you're at, they're asking for a pizza over a year for you to watch the content. It's a Sophie's choice, but you got to find it in your heart to make the right one. Really? <laughs> that's how I look at it. <laughs> have you seen Sophie's choice? I have, yeah, of course. Of course I've seen Sophie's Choice. You know the choice she made. Yeah, I do. I do. I don't, my references, they don't come without at least a little bit of background knowledge. Okay. All right. Okay. Good to know. Now, we really have Tyler Uremchuk? 
He's coming up in about five minutes here, four or five right, minutes. So then I have to cut up some cucumbers here in the next 60 seconds. All right. Uh, Tyler, your M check on the way next. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. That song went to number two on the Portuguese singles charts. Representative of his brilliance. Hang the banner. Just saying. I still can't believe Axl Rose wrote that, but he did. I don't know if Tyler Uremchuk has a song in him, but if he did, I bet it would be a nice ballad. Something really feely. Joining us now is Mr. Uremchuk from Daily Face Off and Oilers Nation. Remember I introduced you as uh, Tyler Uremchuk from Dangerous Face Off? <laughs> that was hilarious. Um, I still remember. Yeah, I do remember that. That was great. I laughed about that for weeks. <laughs> I still think Dangerous Face Off is a good, you know, blog title, but, you know. I thought Hork Off and Die was too, so what am I doing? So are you, now I know that you've got, uh, you've got Bruce Kerlock heading out to the, uh, on behalf of the nation, heading out to Penticton for the Oilers, uh, Young Stars, right? I believe he's going to be covering it in some way, yeah. Um, I mean, for Oilers Nation, if there's hockey being played anywhere in the world, if someone's wearing an Oilers jersey in the game, we legally have to be there. There you go. So who, I've asked you this before, but but are is there anybody? Because I, I you know I saw Levin's piece of the cult of hockey, which was basically it doesn't matter. I don't know if I go that far because I think Xavier Borgo could be on the team this year, and you want to know that Bo Aiki is playing well. But is there is there any overriding thing that you're looking at, or is it just? meh and you're not really into it because there's no taylor hall or Connor mcdavid oh i'll be honest it's pretty meh from my perspective i'm way more dialed into how the team the nhl team is going to look this year but with that being said one guy i'm interested in is max warner that's a guy who seems to have really rocketed up the prospect rankings over the last couple of years he seems to really develop nicely for the oilers and if he is a fit that's a hole on the blue line you're probably going to want to fill in a couple of years when, you know, Cody Cece's contract's up or whatever. So a big right-shot defenseman who had some good years in junior to close out his WHL career, that guy's got my attention. So there, there, I, we, we basically know the roster the Oilers are going to announce here in the next while. Um, and and I, when I look at it, I, I like the depth. I do wonder about left-handed defense and whether or not there's a player uh, out there that they might want to cash Kulak or even Broberg for uh, now. But the more I think about it, I more I think maybe the deadline is the right time. Do you think we'll see something like a Samarukov for Coaston deal in October, or or they're going to let it ride? Uh, I could see something like that. Oh, I can and I can't. Like, there's a part of me that says if you go through training camp and you're sitting there saying, Raphael Lavoie is not good enough to be on our team, I could see a move where you trade Lavoie to another NHL team, and they send you back a player who's either waiver-exempt or already cleared to waivers, and you can keep him in the American League. That would be possible for me, because I don't think they'll want to just lose Lavoie for nothing, per se. Um, but other than that, like I, I would be pretty surprised if there's a significant trade, like a Broberg or Kulak thing, before the deadline. I just... I think this is the roster they're going to ride with, and it's actually smart to probably wait till the deadline until you know what injuries you're dealing with, who's even on the market. Remember, 12 months ago, no one even dreamt of Matthias Ekholm being on the market. So I think the patient play here is correct. You wrote recently, uh, as part of your your 10 storylines entering the 2023-24 season for the Edmonton Oilers, about Connor Brown and his offensive upside. One of the issues is that he didn't play very much last year, 
and he is likely to play with Dreisaitl or McDavid or both, I guess. And that kind of changes things. So in terms of where you have him slotted offensively as a projection, say for fantasy or whatever reason, how difficult was it to arrive at the number? It's tough just because one, like the lack of hockey with Connor Brown and also there's, it's a, it's an interesting balance when you look at these situations with new players coming into the Oilers organization, because I think it's very easy to look at even Zach Hyman, right? That guy had good numbers in Toronto. He comes to Edmonton as a big UFA signing. And at his age, you were kind of sitting there going, ah, like if you can get the same player that was in Toronto production wise, you'd be happy with that contract. Well, they got better. Like Zach Hyman is scoring and producing way more than he ever did. Or sorry, I shouldn't say way more. He's producing more than he did when he was in Toronto. So when you look at Connor Brown, it's kind of like, it's a guy who's only at 20 goals twice in his career. Like maybe we shouldn't be sitting here going, oh, look, he's Zach Hyman 2.0, 25 plus goals. But also you just never know how someone could click with McDavid or Dreisaitl. So I don't know. I'm optimistic about it, but there is a little part of me that thinks we've maybe set the bar a bit too high, especially when I see people going around saying, Zach Hyman 2.0, why can't he score 30 goals? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's kind of important to remember the player here. Yeah. Tyler Yuramchuk, our guest, Oilers Nation and Daily Faceoff on Sports 1440 and the Lowdown with Low Tide. When you're looking at this team right now and and all of the the possibilities that could happen, I mean, I'm tired of talking about the you know the 12th forward because I think it's going to be Lavoie or uh, they'll trade him. But we're you know we're way past that now. How how often do you think they would at least contemplate running Dylan Holloway as the fourth line center? I don't love the idea of it, if we're being honest, just because I think that's a spot where you probably want to have a veteran who's pro- or who's a little bit more proven in the dot, who's a little bit more trustworthy defensively. Remember last year, Holloway did have a bit of a turnover problem, particularly early in the season. So I don't love that idea. And this was actually brought up on one of my shows the other day. I think it was by my co-host, Liam, who said, what about the idea of waving Dylan Holloway? It feels like everyone's just kind of writing him into the roster, but... If Dylan Holloway doesn't blow the doors off in the preseason, then he's waiver eligible. You can keep Lavoie on the roster. You could keep a fourth-line center that's either Peterson, Sutter, or Gagne, even though I don't really view Gagne as much of a center anymore. But you can keep a veteran fourth-line center, put Holloway down, no waivers needed, and you kind of almost get the best of both worlds in the sense that you don't have to risk Lavoie and you keep a good vet to be your 4C. So I don't know. I'm really intrigued by Dylan Holloway and the fact that he can go through waivers that that puts him a step behind Lavoie when it comes to competition for the roster. Very interesting take by you, Todd Yuramchuk. Very interesting. So of the three PTOs, Ernie, Gagne, and Sutter, who is the most likely to make the team? The Adam Ernie one is also very interesting. I kind of forgot about that. Another thing that kind of works against Holloway's favor is the fact that he plays on the left side, right? Like Lavoie fills more of a need. Ernie, he's a left winger as well, so he feels a little bit like he could be Dylan Holloway insurance. Like, if he's not ready to go, this is a guy who's hit double-digit goals in a season before in his NHL career. He brings you a bit of toughness as well. I don't love his chances of making the team just because, again, I think they're probably better off keeping a guy on the roster in that veteran spot who has a better ability to play center. So I think I would probably put him fourth on the list, or sorry, third, I guess, on the list of PTOs. I, for some reason, keep including Lane Peterson in the conversation, even though he has a contract. Um, 
from a vibes perspective, the best option is Gagne because, come on, who doesn't want to see Sam Gagne rocking that number 89 in the Oilers lineup next year? But I'm, I'll be honest, I, I kind of like Brandon Sutter heading into this. Like, he's just such a wild card because he hasn't played in two years. Mm-hmm. But if he's back and healthy, he could be a really effective 4C for them. Well, he'd solve so many problems. That's the deal there. Yeah. Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being why are we talking about this, and 10 being slam down, let's do it now. Phil Kessel, any possibility coming to Edmonton? Why are we talking about this? Oh, like, let's, Come on, this guy was getting healthy scratch for how many straight games in the playoffs? Like, I know it would be funny, and the memes would be glorious, and his media veils would be funny, but like, we're here to win Stanley Cups, and they have enough competition on the roster in the forward group. I was even surprised they brought in the guy like Adam Ernie. There's no need to have Phil Kessel on the roster. Best Guns and Roses song? Best Guns and Roses song? I mean, you, first off, We've worked together for how many years, Low Tide? And you know I do not have a musical bone in my body. So before this hit, you're talking about, oh, could Tyler write a ballad, blah, 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 blah. No way. Um, Knocking on Heaven's Door, that's Guns N' Roses, right? Yes. Yeah, I'd go with that one. Okay. I hate that song. Um, I like the Dylan version. Um, So now we have to have the straight talk, okay? We've done the thing. Now we're going to do the real thing. What in H-E double hockey sticks is going on with the Toronto Blue Jays? Well, you know I flew to Toronto to watch that game last night. I know you did. I was, Yeah, I was absolutely miserable the entire night. Um, I just, I don't get it, low tide. Like, they just, there's no sense of urgency. It would be like if the Oilers season was on the line and they decided in that game to, you know what, guys, no more forechecking. Let's just hang back and see what happens a little bit. There's just... They don't seem frustrated that it's going bad, and that makes it more frustrating from a fan perspective because it's like, do these guys even care? The other crazy part about all this is they keep blowing pretty much every good opportunity they get to, again, assert themselves and lock themselves into a playoff spot, and yet they're still not out of it. Like, they're two or one and a half back of the Mariners, two and a half back of the Rangers, three back of the Astros, and all of those teams play each other a ton down the stretch. Like, there is a legitimate chance that the Blue Jays go 10-5 and five in their final 15 games and limp into a playoff spot. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's What I don't understand, I watched pretty much every game of this series, I would say 75% of the four games, and I never, ever felt Texas was was being pushed at all. And and my my major worry, I'll be honest, my the the like I'm not a Jays fan, but I am a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. fan. And he, he, looks, he looks like a day late and a dollar short, uh, he looks like a guy who's who's lunging. He never gets a good pitch. He he didn't get his pitch, a pitch that he could drive for the entire series. And part of it is that he's just swinging at stuff randomly. Their approach is just it, it's brutal, Tide. It's there's no other way to put it. You look at that game last night. There was a moment when it was tied two two, where they were down three two. One of the, one of those. And Bo Bichette comes up. The previous batter, George Springer, had walked on four straight pitches, and I believe the batter before him walked as well. The first pitch to Bichette. Ball, he watches it. Okay, now the pitcher has thrown six consecutive balls, and the next pitch is a splitter that, I mean, from my seats down the third baseline, you knew it wasn't a strike coming out of the guy's hand. It was a splitter that was, or a slider that was dropping quick, and Bobachet bails him out, more or less swings at one in the dirt. And it's like, how, as a baseball player, you've gone your entire life playing the sport, everyone knows you don't swing in that scenario. The pitcher's thrown six straight balls. Make him come right down the middle of the plate. Don't swing at something six inches below the zone. Like, they're incredibly frustrating right now. They should be better than this, but 
I think the part of the, the optimistic part of me just keeps wanting to go back to, again, all those teams in front of them play each other. You only need to catch one of them. And if you get into that final wildcard spot, you're going to get to go play a Minnesota Twins team in round one that is going to have less wins than you. Like, the, it, the, the last wildcard spot is actually a good position to, to get into because you get to play the winner of the AL Central, and every team in that division is junk. So it's weird that I'm kind of optimistic still, but that, would, that doesn't make that series against Texas any less frustrating. I'm, I'm tweeting out right now your, your tweet from 17 hours ago. What a wildly depressing night to have good seats. And they're excellent seats. They really are outstanding. Oh, and the new ballpark, like the renovations they did in the ballpark look awesome. It's a shame that the atmosphere there this week hasn't been any better. But I'm heading there again in three or four hours to hopefully, well, hopefully not be as disappointed as I was 24 hours ago. Well, at least you're staying, like you stayed overnight and now you can enjoy the beautiful city. By the way, when are your, because they're going maddeningly slow, uh, I have articles to write here and they, your, your releases are going slow. When do we see number, I think it's number six now we're looking for. I think they were going up once every weekday, but if that's slowing down, then I'm going to have to go do some work right now. Maybe I haven't written them. I totally <laughs> forgot. <laughs> no, number six is up. It's about the power play. Okay, I haven't seen that one yet. You're M. Chuck. Thanks. Enjoy Toronto. Thanks, LT. Go Bills. All right. Oh, boy. Another Bills fan. They're everywhere. Can't wave a dev cat around this part of the North America without finding a Bills fan. Your Uremchuk is content guy for Oilers Nation Daily Faceoff, and he's available at Tyler Uremchuk on Twitter. I have the lines. I actually predicted this morning the first line correctly. This is for tonight. I know some of these names won't be familiar to you, but for the, the, the nerd folks like me, I know every one of the players on this list. How bad is that? How bad is that? that I know this. I know at least something about every one of these players. I think most people would say that's a skill. That's a skill that a lot of people don't have. I don't know. Incredible memory to start with. I mean, I just, you know, I sometimes say the dog's name when I'm talking to my daughter, and I sometimes say my daughter's name when I'm talking to the dog, and yet I know everything about Jake Sloan. I I mean, is that a good thing? Like, in life, is that a good thing? In life, no. No, no, no. Terrible. Terrible. But in in this profession... Sure. Pretty good. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate your support. Uh, Carl Berglund, uh, college man. He will play in the middle between Carter Savoy and Xavier Borgo. Uh, a couple of uh, really good scoring wingers, and Borgo has a two-way bent to him. Uh, Jaden Grube, who came from the Red Deer Rustlers. Rustlers. Can you believe I said that? How, that is like, that's 50 years old. <laughs> it just comes flying out. Red Deer Rustlers. Damn. Okay. From the Rebels, Jaden Grube, Tyler Chulio, and Matt V. Petrov on the wing. Terry Linden with Brady Stonehouse and Jake Chase on. Stonehouse would be a good guy to sign. Uh, Jake Sloan between Cameron Wright and either Ethan DeJong or Preston Lounsbury. The pairings are Xavier Bernard, who played a little bit in the ECHL and AHL a year ago. Max Warner, uh, who was mentioned by Tyler as being a guy he's looking for. Jake Johnson and Bo Akey. Akey is the second-round pick. Uh, he's got wheels to spare so watch him tonight. Noah Gansky with Nate Miske or Josh Van Mulligan. A lot of uh, Dutch folks. A lot of Van something or others. Van Hoot, Van Massenhoven. 
Do you know any Dutch there's, folks? There's a De Jong on there as well. Another, yes. another Dutch last name. Is yes. It, is, De Jong is a Dutch name. You're it right. Is. Yep. Do you know the Dutch, do you? Uh, I have a friend who, who was born in the Netherlands, yeah. Spreken the Dutch? Yannick van der Velde. Oh, very name. nice. Very Dutch. Is he in relation to Chris van der Velde? Uh, I'll ask. Okay. <laughs> He's never brought it up, so probably well, not. Probably not. Uh, Nathan Day, the goalie, and Zach, Zachary Bowen will be backing up. It's 12.55 already. I had wanted to get to some text. I will say this. Uh, Jana said... Uh, Mr. Brownstone is my favorite Guns N' Roses song, which I'm sure a lot of people would agree with. Very good song. My Connor Brown prediction is 22 goals, 56 points. Fogel on a second for Dowd, half retained. What say you low tide? Who says no? Thanks. I, I think they like Fogel a lot. I really do. And they can't afford to give up a second right now. They just cannot. Got to wait for the deadline for that. Can you tell Tyler, go Raiders. His bills are going down. Oh, he knows. Oh, he knows. Okay, Lansky and I are going to rumble next. This is Sports 1440 in the Lowdown with Low Tide, and it's time for a sports update.